To say that we are closer to victory today is to believe, in the face of the evidence, the optimists who have been wrong in the past. To suggest we are on the edge of defeat is to yield to unreasonable pessimism. To say that we are mired in stalemate seems the only realistic, if unsatisfactory, conclusion. On the off chance the military and political analysts are right, in the next few months we must test the enemy's intentions in case this is indeed his last big gasp before negotiations. But it is increasingly clear to this report that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victors, but as an honorable people who lived up to their pledge to defend democracy and did the best they could. This is Walter Cronkite. Good night. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe. This is Nick. And we are on our 10th episode. 10 episodes. How are you feeling, man? Who knew? Yeah. Who actually thought we would make one episode, let alone 10? We drunk that. We were drunk that night. Yeah, I think we drunk ordered all this shit off Amazon. Yeah, we did. Uh, so how are you doing right now? Doing pretty good. Still drinking Old Crow. Yeah, we're, uh, we're working our way through the bottle of Old Crow, and it, it's not good. I feel like I am full of Mexican food. Like, I ate way too much before I got here. And uh, our room that we record in, our studio slash office slash guest room, um, is... About, slash layer. Yeah, it's about 90 degrees, and I'm not sure if I am if I have, like, meat sweats from fajitas, or it's just from Washington simultaneously fajitas fucking kibbutzing. Fajitas are delicious, you shut your mouth. What do you fajitas know about Mexican aren't food? aren't good at all. What do you know about Mexican Where food? Where I'm from. <laughs> I'm pretty sure LA has the worst Mexican food. You're a fucking liar. Yeah, I, might be, I, might be, I might be a fucking liar. Jesus. What? So on our 10th episode, we're doing something a little bit special. Um, I know I bothered everybody on Twitter, and I was also sent questions before then, um, and I kind of held on to them. So we're going to answer your questions, um, some at length, some with stupid jokes, because they run the gamut from being super serious to being ridiculous, which is exactly what we That's like. That's pretty much That's our shit. It's kind of our thing. Um, it's in our ball field. Yeah. It's, it's our only game, like... I don't know if I could be more serious, or I could be serious for more than 10 minutes. Um, I don't know, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so yeah. our, we could start off, um, our first question. All right. Joe, what made you interested in, uh, military history? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I think... So I have a little bit of a militaristic take on why I got interested in military history over regular history. Um, I always liked regular history. Growing up, like, pretty much all I did is watch the History Channel back when the History Channel had actual history on it and not, like, fucking ancient aliens and shit like they do now. You don't like Pawn Stars? No. There's so many fucking Pawn Shows. And why are, why are they all named after sexual innuendo? Like, because when I think hawking gear for drug money, <laughs> I don't think... Sexual innuendo. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> like, when I'm, when I'm hawking a stolen TV for meth money, I'm not thinking, like, this is going to make a really good porn fucking pun. Anyway. So I watched that shit my whole life. It's why I wanted to go to college for, but because I grew up poor shit, I had to join the army instead. 
Um, and then I got to go visit all these places that were steeped in history. Um, but all of it was, you know, history is formed at the end of a sword or at the barrel of a gun for the most part. America wasn't formed until we shot people. Um, Europe wasn't formed until people, a lot of people got stabbed and shot and Nazis got killed, yeah. which we can always get behind. It's not, um, a, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and history is full of a lot of that going wrong, like we're seeing today. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think we're past the point now in history where we're going to see like legitimate, um, you know, fights for the greater good. I don't think those really happen anymore, but I feel like it's the study of how we got here today. Um, and, and other than old men talking, which is part of history, but all those old men talking don't make history happen unless there's young men dying. True. And that's how we got here. How about you? How I got into it? Yeah. Well, as a young boy, I did like history in school. That was literally my best grade. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm really like this. Oh, yeah, me too. It was like so, the only class yeah. I could ever play is. Right. And math, good luck. English, fuck. C's, B's. I was good at English, which benefits me now, but it didn't mean nothing then. No. <laughs> Not even his, nothing means anything to me now. It's just something like a hobby I do. Your, your whole life is misery. Like, <laughs> so, and then uh, towards uh, the end of middle school, I started getting into like reenacting and whatnot. And it made me go, wow, cosplay. It's not fucking cosplaying. <laughs> so, uh, got into the reenacting scene and it made me like open my eyes up to more things about history because there's these different events called like marching through history or old Fort MacArthur days and you have the Roman times with the centurions and yeah all this other like Red War, Civil War, it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and like for instance like I'm staying up real late now because I'm a night owl and I'm I'm working on a new book and um everything like that. But somehow I end up falling into uh a YouTube wormhole about uh how Roman armies operated. Or how pimples are popped. That happens sometimes, too. Yeah. I th I feel like uh, if you follow my YouTube page, it's going to go through, like, all of the Great War YouTube and, like, a whole bunch of chiropractic net tracking <laughs> yeah. videos. Interesting. I'm yeah. curious. It's weirdly satisfying watching other people get healthcare because you can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, me explodes. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Fail video, you say. <laughs> I like it. You know, and, but I end up how finding out how Roman army... Uh, formations worked and how like uh, you know the youngest I knew the youngest guys would fight first and then they would like rotate uh, right. because the veterans are worth a lot more but I didn't know um, have you ever watched the show Rome Rome yeah on HBO it's from probably like 20 years ago now no it's really good you should watch it but um, it's apparently the clip that they show the Roman army fighting there is shown in like classical college classes oh, to show how the army worked. That's cool. So like the guys in the first row would fight, their commander would blow a whistle after about five or so minutes, and they would literally just like turn sideways and shimmy back through the legion and the next row would come up and fight. And they would do that and rotate through. These and, guys uh, made line dancing happen. Fuck yeah, they conquered the world line dancing their show some people. Fuck um, yeah, dude. But it was just really interesting to see um, like someone actually got um like classical military history correct on a primetime show. It doesn't happen. No, it doesn't but, happen often. Because Game of Thrones is not historically accurate. Those motherfuckers didn't even really have dragons. So like, you say. And once I found that out, I was really disappointed. <laughs> I thought the, the War of the Roses, which is what George Martin based that whole thing on, uh, would have more dragons in it instead of just had a whole lot more incest. 
Uh, and Game of Thrones is a fair amount of incest, so that's saying something. I haven't seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. I, why are you the way that you are? How have you never seen Game of Thrones? Yeah, just doing stuff. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. You're in the guest room with me, yelling at the internet. Just doing stuff, <laughs> you know. What's our next question before I hit you? Uh, all right. This one, I can feel a rant coming from our uh, fucking host over here. So, do I get to hit somebody? Is this, is this the smacking one? However you take it. <laughs> but I'm always down for that. So, history can always be spun by those who win the war, or the dominant religion during that time. Do you think it taints the accuracy of the written record from the start? Now, your personal opinion on that. Um, I don't deal in opinions, I deal in facts. Ah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, everybody, I, I said this earlier, and I think me and Tom touched on this for a few seconds in our interview last week, but, uh, you know, the saying is, like, victors always write history, and that's just not always true. Um, sometimes the the losers have a hand in how history is written, and sometimes the victors will revise history to fit their needs. I think it is really hard to find any non-stilted historical record of anything. And, you know, that's hard to say because, you know, we're so, everything we know of, uh, like classical times and ancient times is based on um, historians of the time. But right. you know they're, they're steeped in horseshit because they'll talk about, like, I think it was a king of England who displeased the Pope, and then, you know, his dick magically rotted off. Like, we, we can probably assume that is not a historical fact. Most people's dicks do not just rot off. Um, and that can go into religions playing things, uh, playing history the way they should be written. And then we get into out-and-out -out historical visionism of things that just didn't happen. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more on one of our other questions. But uh, in this, I think... Um, you get it from people because history is is based in uh, in cultures and people based their base their entire cultural identity on history sometimes you'll see that a lot in uh, the southern United States oh, yeah. um, when people are like you know like the daughters of Confederate veterans still exist mm -hmm. I mean they're they're basing their entire culture on a long dead idea that was criminal from the get-go. Um, and they'll say that it wasn't about slavery, it was about states' rights, um, when it was absolutely incontrovertibly about slavery. Um, and then you'll hear, uh, you know, the lost cause theory, where, um, you know, they were, the soldiers were fighting honorably for a, a lost cause, which makes them honorable soldiers. Um, and I'm not here to shit on, you know, Billy... Ray Tucker or whoever from the fucking Virginia Infantry Regiment, um, you know, there's a good chance that a lot of people fighting thought they were fighting for something that they weren't. Um, but history says otherwise. Right. And another good thing that you see this in, and and this is one where the the defeated people will write history and it will be used uh, for governmental purposes in uh, Germany. Uh, the Bundeswehr was created on the back of the clean Wehrmacht theory. Uh, the theory of the clean Wehrmacht, I think I've probably brought it up a dozen times now in ten episodes, but the clean Wehrmacht theory is that 
the regular German army of World War II, the Wehrmacht, did not take part in Nazi atrocities, and they were just a regular army. Right. And, the, and the real enemy here is the SS, um, and that's just not true. Oh, um, yeah. The Wehrmacht took part in countless atrocities all across the Eastern and Western Front. Um, and it was documented by unit, and pictures were taken by people in the SS, or and by people in the Wehrmacht, I mean. Um, the people in the Wehrmacht were not ignorant of the things happening. They worked hand-in-hand hand with SS units and Eisengroup and death groups. Right. Um, was everybody involved? No, of course they weren't. But there's a large group of SS people that also weren't involved in atrocities. Right. But that does not mean they're clean. There was an institutional level of atrocities happening. Um, but that theory was taken and used and spun to nationalist means because the U.S. needed another armed ally in NATO standing against the fucking Warsaw Pact. Right. So how else are you going to get Western Germany to have an army with some kind of tradition? Um, well, the Wehrmacht wasn't so bad, but they knew it wasn't they because they fucking changed time. the name. Yeah, like, they, if the Wehrmacht was so good, they would not have changed its fucking name. Right. Um, but, and then, and then you'll see another thing uh, we talked about last week a little bit, where um, people will say, you know, this person wasn't so bad, or that person wasn't so bad, um, when they pretty much always were. You hear about Robert E. Lee. Um, well, he didn't own any slaves. You're right. He technically didn't. He just inherited them. Right. <laughs> he definitely did, though. Um, he also... Uh, instituted the uh, uh, Confederate policy where when Confederate units took over northern states they, and they came across freedmen or freed slaves, they captured them, put them back in slavery. That happened under his command. So, yeah, he probably did agree with the right to own slaves. Right. Um, in Germany, you see uh, Erwin Rommel get the, the, the historical treatment where he wasn't a Nazi. He was just a, a loyal German officer when... If you look at his diaries, he not only praised Hitler, he yeah. was absolutely loyal to him. And he had nothing to do with Klaus von Stauffenberg. Uh, Hitler was just afraid of a fucking powerful general and had him kill himself. Yeah. And you know he was loyal to Hitler because Hitler told him to fucking kill himself and he did it. Fucking took a shot. I mean, don't get me wrong, he was going to die either way. And if he did not kill himself, his family probably would have been killed too. But... It's an awful lot of loyalty to fucking off yourself on command. Um, you see that in, in Japan as um, another way of how the defeated can spin history so you don't look so bad. Um, they don't learn about World War II the way we do um, or uh, the Pacific War and, and for their part is they don't talk about atrocities at all. The rape of Nanking didn't oh, happen. Yeah. Um, uh, unit, was it 271, where, where there was their version of a death camp where they did medical experiments and torture yeah. on people? Didn't happen. Um, them dropping plague bombs on Japan? Didn't happen. Um, say what you will about modern-day uh, Germany, and there's lots of political things that can be said about Angela Merkel's government and everything else about Germany, but they do not shy away from teaching about Nazi Germany. No. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with our very, very, very in-depth ownership of Western Germany, and it was, uh, they were not going to get away with not teaching about Nazism. Right. Um, because we were right, I mean, we were we were there in Japan too, but Japan is a much less important Cold War satellite state of ours. 
Um, but, you know, Japan, there's a shrine called the Asakuni Shrine that still has uh, pictures and honors several war criminals. Um, you're not going to see many people honoring, I don't know, fucking Joseph Mengele in Germany. <laughs> you know? And if you do, they're probably the same people you're who are the wrong part. Yeah. You don't want to be there. Yeah, and, and if you do, they're probably the same people who shave their heads and call themselves proud boys here in the United States. Um, they're, they're fringe characters. Um, but I could go on about this fucking forever. Uh, historical revisionism is poisonous. And oh, for sure. It is both harnessed by individuals, like you'll see uh, Holocaust deniers, Armenian mm. genocide deniers, and that's a state-level denial by Turkey. Um, there's state-level denial of the Holocaust yeah. parts of the Middle East. Um, I think, and, what was it, the Palestinian, or was it Iranian? I can't even remember. He denies the Holocaust. That was altogether. Former Iranian leader Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Yes, um, yeah, he denied it altogether. He also denied that Iran had gay people. So, <laughs> um, and, and we see it here in the United States too. Um, in our civilized Union states in the North, um, where I went to school and I grew up, history books don't talk about the Amer the, the Native American wars. Um, they gloss over it real fast. Yep. Um, they don't really talk about the War of eighteen twelve. Um, you know, you might get a, a sentence or two about Wounded Knee and the Trail of Tears, and then it's like, well, let's get this fucking show on the road. Well, I'll tell you, the only thing we learned about in the, uh, with the whole Battle of 1812 was uh, the White House got burned down. Yeah. That's yeah. about it. And a great example of that is uh, Vietnam. We didn't lose. We left. Oh, yes. I heard that a lot. Very. Um, and now, you still hear it. Yeah. And now when I hear that, I'm like, please... Show me Saigon on a map. Point it out to me. <laughs> um, and you, know, you, you, you see that in all sorts of little things here and there. And, I mean, we see historical, historical revisionism, excuse me, in the political arena as well, uh, about, like, the formation of the, of the KKK and Reconstruction and, um, you know, Democrats owned slaves and Republicans didn't. Lincoln was a Republican. And, like, people will... Uh, will harness these things for their means with no grasp right. of historical relevance at all. Um, and there's, the only thing you can do to try to beat back on that is, one, don't mind making a lot of people upset because history is unpopular when people get unpopular facts from it. Right. Um, Something they don't like and that they don't agree with. Yeah, and even if they're absolute incontrovertible facts. Um, you'll see a lot of fucking douchebags. We, we live around a military base next in the army. We see a lot of people with Spartan symbols on their cars. Moron um, Lafe. Yeah, moron labia. Yeah. And, like, when you point out, like, the Spartans loved fucking some boys, and it was, like, institutional boy rape. Like, they get really upset that um, this you know, inconvenient fact is hurting something that they like. Um, you see that in Vietnam veterans. Uh, my stepdad is a Vietnam veteran. He doesn't mind because he's normal. Oh, my grandpa as well. Um, and he'll be the first to tell you, no, we fucking lost. And like, it, it, it takes a lot. Like, I've fought in Afghanistan. We've, we might still be in Afghanistan, but we've lost. That war is lost, and it has been. Um, but it takes a lot for people to accept unpopular things, especially if, like, you have to evaluate your own culture. Like, yeah. 
Japan is never going to accept that they were probably more evil than the Nazis for what they did in China. They just, oh, yeah. It just will never happen. Um, it just won't. You, you see that in Russia today. People are trying to rehab Stalin's image. Um, yeah. What? I swear <laughs> to God. So they, they recently came out with a movie called The Death of Stalin. It is fucking hilarious. Watch it. Um, I watched it a couple days ago. Is it on Netflix? Or no, it's, uh, you can get it on demand. Um, it's, it might be on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Uh, but it is a comedic, not necessarily historically accurate take on the death of Stalin and the things that happened immediately afterwards. It's fucking hilarious. It has Steve Buscemi in it. Um, yeah, Steve Buscemi <laughs> plays it, Nikita Khrushchev. Is it supposed <laughs> to be like a legitimate comedy? Or? It's, a, it's supposed to be a black satire movie. Um, but it, Stalin's alive in it for all of five seconds, and he's dead. Um, and then the, everything else is about everybody fighting over who's going to take over, what, what everybody's going to do. It's about the worst part of the Soviet Union's history. Modern-day Russia banned the movie. Jesus. Right. Like, I can't... I, I cannot see any reason why anybody would do that other than they're trying to save some kind of historical face. Yeah. yeah, so know, next, next, the next question. Ne- next question. We're just going on. Um, so I have one for you. Take any leader in military, and in, in all of military history, whether it be classical times, modern times, your current commander, don't say that. You might get in trouble. Um, Fuck that guy. <laughs> or don't, don't say Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, who would you like to slap? Like if you, maybe oh, not slap, dude. who would you like to just... Physically fucking assault, and it doesn't even have to be for a legitimate reason. Like it doesn't even have to be um, like they were a terrible commander. You maybe you just don't like his fucking face. So check this out. I'll go off a former uh, past episode we've had. We'll do it on Hague. Oh, that's our second episode. Our yeah. least popular episode, actually. And honestly, <laughs> people did not like that one. I like World War One. So oh, it's one of my favorite points so, of history. I'm gonna go with Hague. Here's the scene. He's in his fucking uh, war room. He's playing on his sand table, wiping out his own men with his own fucking hand. Oh, like in Blackadder? <laughs> yeah, he's just fucking... Uh, <laughs> I fucking kick open the French doors, and I look at him. His trench, his French doors. Basically. <laughs> kick open his French doors. They're really nice. After I kick him open, grab the nearest scotch. Take a shot of it. Look at him. Cock slap him. Cock slap. What, what do you do after the cock slap? I basically uh, start... Either uh, I think I uh, go off on a uh, whole uh, tangent, like a kind of like an American Psycho monologue. So you're gonna make him listen to Huey Lewis in the news, basically. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> after that, uh, I'd probably have to see, like, go through his mind, like, if he's trying to dick measure with Cadorna at the time, like, who can kill the more, like, more of his own men type of shit. So yeah, Cadorna's our first episode, and. Uh... Uh, that, that is the episode I think we we did the worst because I couldn't pronounce Cadorna to save my fucking life. I couldn't either. And you kept calling Austria Australia. <laughs> I did. I, like, I kept. I fucking corrected myself every time though. I say Australia. Fuck Austria. But so in case somebody here isn't familiar with World War One, isn't familiar with um, our first or second episode, why do you hate Haig so much? Why do I hate Haig so much? Yeah, Douglas Haig. All right, so first Earl of Hague, by the way, first Earl of Hague. I'm really biased on the British side of World War One, just because I 
there I just love the history that they're like involved with on World War One, and I loved it. So just reading about like the butcher of the Somme and get him being so incompetent during his time leading these guys, like it's fucking shitty. Yeah. So it should be noted that Haig was all about uh, sending cavalry into machine guns. This and, motherfucker. <laughs> and had people like slow walk. Horses are the shit. He had people like, by order slow walk yeah. across no man's land in the Somme. And the French were ordered, yeah, just go take the trench. Go ahead and run. And they did a lot better. They did it way better. Yeah. And the British, no. We're, just walk. You'll be good. We artillery the fuck out of them. We shelled the shit out of them. They should be dead. And they weren't. They totally weren't dead. Um, so, mine, my person, I would just love... Sorry, I'm full of Mexican food, and I'm having a hard time not burping into the microphone, and I'm afraid that I might vomit fajitas everywhere. Um, so don't do it on our fucking desk. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to puke on the carpet. Um, hands down, I wish I could beat the ever-living fuck out of George S. Patton. So, uh, get this. Uh, <laughs> Joe used to wash Patton's balls uh, way back in the day, his little statue. It wasn't a little statue. It was a large fucking statue. I would get in George trouble. George little balls. Yeah, and his horses. They actually had horse balls. Um, really? Yeah. That's they, some detail. They went out of their way. Um, <laughs> shaft and everything. Uh, so, for people that weren't aware, and I'm sure a lot of people are, uh, George Patton was an armor commander during the Second World War. He was a cavalry commander during the First World War. Um, and he also led a governmental charge against the Bonus Army. Um, which is two episodes ago, uh, which were unarmed, poor World War One veterans. Um, he led a sabers-drawn cavalry charge at unarmed people. Um, yeah. So, he, at the same time during the bonus charge, he was, uh, or the bonus army charge, he was confronted by a guy who saved his fucking life. Uh, pulled him out of fire and, and saved his life. He appeared to go fuck himself. Uh, he would physically abuse soldiers who were suffering from PTSD during World War II. And, um, you know, I, a lot of people explain that away. He's like, well, nobody understood PTSD at the time. Of course they did. People don't understand PTSD now. But nobody else is fucking beating their soldiers for being mentally broken. Right. Um, nobody was. General Omar Bradley actually yelled at him and, like, pushed him around and shit for it um so he was just being a dick um so outside of that he was also a racist and anti-semite and he also had a long hot love affair with his own niece just and, and oh, oh it gets better oh niece loving yeah i guess it can't get better it only gets worse his niece killed himself or killed herself uh because <laughs> He didn't want a relationship with her. That's really complicated. It's really Holy fucked up. Fuck. And the whole time, Patton's married. Nice. Um, so was he a fucking alcoholic? Yes. To he go was, along with that? He was a fucking vicious alcoholic. Right. And probably one of his most grievous infractions that can be like put on him is not something he ever actually gets credit for. Have you ever heard of Task Force Bomb? Most people haven't. I didn't actually either until I was doing research for this. So, uh, he had um, a son-in-law who was in the army who was captured. Um, so, 
task force bomb was a task force uh, put together by a patent to rescue American POWs um, in Germany. It should be noted that everybody said this is a bad idea. Every officer in the task force said this is stupid. We don't have enough people um, to do this. They had about 290 people, about 50 vehicles. Um, not a huge group of men for World War II. No. Not a big group of people for the area of World War II. And not a big group of people to usher in what they assumed was hundreds of POWs. Um, what it boiled down to was Patton put this whole thing together because he knew his son-in-law was in that camp. I feel like he was playing on a sand table as well. You know he was. Explosions. <laughs> so everybody in this fucking uh, task force, to include Captain Baum, the guy it was named after, was like, dude, this is a fucking terrible idea. It's not going to work. Patton said, go do it anyway, right? Um, so the task force set out. Uh, they reached the camp. Pretty much the only thing they did was accidentally shoot a couple Yugoslavian POWs, and then pretty much everybody in the entire task force was captured or killed by the Germans. If they would have just waited a week, they took the camp. Uh, never heard of that. That sounds like a big clusterfuck. <laughs> so, like, everybody was like, hey, it's it's in our route of advance. What the fuck? Uh, just, like, take a knee, bro. We'll be there. Um... Patton's like, no, 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 this has to happen. Um, so after the attack, his son-in-law and every other high-ranking POW was moved further to the rear. So when um, the Allied forces actually re reached the camp, he wasn't even fucking in it. And then later on, when they finally did find his son-in-law, they sent a plane, a private plane, chartered by Patton with his personal physician on it to go make sure he was okay. I never even heard of this. What the Most fuck? people haven't. Um, so, do I? Do you think I can beat Patton? Now, here's, now, the, here's the tale of tape. Here's the tale of tape. All right. Um, he's he's six two. What era of Patton are you trying to beat up? I'm saying peak Patton. Peak Patton. Peak Patton. All right. P Patton out of a fucking fight camp. Um, you know he's he's been hitting the bag real hard. He's he's cut weight pretty effectively. Are we going street rules or what are we doing? I don't care. Uh, we can put a fucking cage around us, put us in the street, stuff us inside of a tank. I don't care. Okay. Um, peak Pat versus Peak Joe. Um, so he's about six two, almost same size as me. I'm six three, but he only weighed about one hundred and seventy pounds. Okay, get this, Mech Patton. Mecha Patton. Yes. He's not like if Patton became like a Gundam. Like a like a mech warrior, so like an off-brand Gundam. Yes. So like Robo Patton. Yes. All right. So here's my thing, Robo Patton, per time of the day of his day technology, I think I can take him. Cause yeah, you just throw mud somewhere on it, and it'll <laughs> fucking go down. Because Robo Patton would have the computing power of my of less than my cell phone, less than your fucking watch, <laughs> and. You know, I I weigh about two hundred and thirty pounds, and uh, I can squat about four hundred pounds. Uh, I think I can take Patton. I think I got him in any day of the week. Um, he's probably a scrappy little fuck because the time he grew up, he fought in plenty of wars. He knows how to kill people. It's fine, but one on one, nine ounce gloves, whatever, bare knuckles, some fucking duct tape. I feel like I can take Patton out. I feel like I got a good good chance. Nice. I think I got him. I feel, I feel that. Yeah, I can see I that. I put 50 bucks on me. Yeah. I like that. Maybe his niece can be the like uh, the card girl. And I mean, we're... <laughs> <laughs> Have some respect for the incest dead, sir. <laughs> and also, you know, we were both tankers, 
So both of our knees and backs are equally fucked up. You know, <laughs> like we'll we'll be equals. Um, I, I I like my chances here. I say I'd win the interim belt. Nice. The interim abusing soldier cavalry leader belt. Incest. I, I don't want to win the incest belt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. Actually, I hear that's how you get elected governor in West Virginia. Oh! <laughs> Sick burn. Sick burn. Finger guns. So, right. our, our next question uh, was actually sent to us by the same person that sent the last one. Uh, if you could pick one leader through all of history, who would you like to get fucked up with? So, this is also on another past episode. And this is like drinking or drugs. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter. You're just partying. You're just fucking partying. You're raging with this guy. So, I would want to rage with Lord Lovett. He was in our last, uh, one of, I think our fifth episode, Bill Mullen. I think Bill Mullen was our third episode. So, uh... It was a long time ago. Yeah, I don't know either. So, uh... Tell us a little bit about uh, Lord Love and Bill Mullen first, since that episode is a long time ago. So, these two guys, they went across a uh, fucking, uh, what was it, Sword? Yeah, Sword Beach. Sword Beach. They went across Sword Beach. Uh, Lord Lovett led his uh, commandos ashore. And brought fucking bagpipes, and his dude Bill Mullen was playing them all across the fucking beach. Yeah, he forced a dude to play bagpipes uh, into D Day. Honestly, I don't think it was kind of forced. It was kind of Bill's fault as well. He was we go a into personal that. piper. We go into it. It was his whole job. Bill's fault as well, because Bill's like, well, Bill's just being a smart ass like any other soldier yeah, in human history. Said, yeah, I'd rather fucking take cover instead. No, he's like, you want me to fucking go up and down the beach and uh, do the play do host across it? <laughs> I would love to find a bagpipe version of Duas. <laughs> if I find one, that's the intro song. That's going to be the intro song. We haven't found an intro song. No, yet. we haven't. But anyway, so uh, he basically, that was his personal bagpiper during the Normandy landing. And uh, after that, Bill Mullen got to take part as a commando after that and actually did commando shit. But I'd want to party with Lord Lovett only for the reason that Bill Mullen would be there to play some sick beats while we're getting, while we're raging. And I know he had some French girls that he was banging on the side in Normandy. And when you watch all the fucking interviews with him, he still looks dapper as fuck. Like, Dude, he has a sick fucking turtleneck. <laughs> he does. He's wearing this, like, turtleneck vest combo, drinking fucking scotch in a room full of leather-bound books, and just, like, talking about this time that, yes, I totally made this teenager march to shore playing a fucking sack full of screaming Scottish wind. Dying cats in a sack sounds really good on the beach. So, if I... Yeah, well, who would you want to get fucking trashed with and rage and uh, cause uh, mayhem? Mine is going to be Captain John Donjot of the French Foreign Legion. That's a fucking great one. <laughs> so, for people that didn't listen to our second Mexican Empire episode... Jean Danjou, uh was the captain of the French Foreign Legion at the Battle of Cameroon, and uh, he knew how to party. Not only did he know how to party, he knew how to party at the worst time possible, surrounded on all sides by Mexican infantry and dragoons and artillery. He decided to pop open a couple of bottles of wine and get his 40 or so dudes in there drunk as shit. And swear a life oath on his dead wooden hand that he carved himself because he lost it in the Crimean War. So you can imagine one dude carving out one hand. The fingers aren't proportioned. It was kind of weird. It, it was like fucking uh, <laughs> tubs. Yeah, tubs from fucking uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, but yeah, 
and his thighs were probably just full of knife wounds because he he had like the two by four sandwiched in there, and, and his fucking nub is just yeah, and it doesn't have a good grip because you know he's, he's, it's a nub. He probably was a righty, and he lost his left hand. You know, he got it, all fucked up. It's almost like he's trying to hold it with the, a fucking sub sandwich. Like that's kind of what it looks like <laughs> if you want to if you want like a good. You just image. need to steady it. I don't know. It's like a fucking nub sandwich, and you know like. He, so he made everybody get tanked, swear an oath of loyalty on his fucking hand-carved hand, and then died, like, immediately afterward. Like, that would be, like, having the most badass part of your life flashing in front of your eyes. You're the life of the party. You're, like, you just threw the touchdown pass at the fucking Super Bowl. Lost your hand once you threw it, because you know you're a righty. <laughs> your hand came off with it, and then you just dropped dead. So, like... <laughs> There's no bad words to say about you because you died at your peak. <laughs> That's the way I want to go. I want to get fucked up with that French dude in some shitty hacienda in Cameroon shooting at your family but, and then drop dead. Full of wine. Yeah, dude, get fucked. <laughs> so, how are you going to drink it? How are you going to drink with him? We already discussed it. I'm going to assume that Captain Don Joe is going to like upend the bottle at like forearm height. And it's just going to drip down his one hand, and he's going to make me drink it off his fingertips, like R. Kelly, except it's not pee. <laughs> it's just shitty wine. Drip, drip, drip. Piss on you. Except, you know, it's wine, hopefully. Uh, so, do we have another question? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we do. What is it? All right, so... Uh, what bit of his? Uh, it goes back into revisionism. We already went into a long one about it, so I think. Then we can do that one. What bit of historical revisionism bothers you the most? Fuck. Uh, one that bothers me the most is like pure idiocy, or one that bothers me. Try to do it in uh, five minutes or less. Uh, that doesn't work for me. Uh, you can't play me off. You can't wrap that shit up, B. You're not gonna play me off the Dave Chappelle playoff box. I'll try. I'll, I'll do my best. We're at four thirty now. Um, so is it like the part of historical revision that just like pisses me off based on pure idiocy or part that like, I want to see pure idiocy, pure idiocy. Oh dude, definitely Holocaust denial. You fuck. It's That's definitely Holocaust denial. It makes no fucking sense. Yes. It, it makes as much sense that people claim the Nazis went to the moon or like burrowed to the center of I the mean, earth. I mean, we did take technology from them. They're not bold people, Nick! <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure there's a swastika on Apollo 11. <laughs> yeah, fucking dude's like, one more for the Fuhrer and stuff. <laughs> a really small one. <laughs> like, yeah, dude's definitely Holocaust nihilism because it requires so much wanton ignorance. Dude, there's overwhelming evidence that it happened. Denying the Holocaust is like denying the existence of oxygen. You are surrounded by evidence every day. All you have to do is look for it. Um, and, and the way they explain the way is just so dumb. Like, oh, not that many people died. Oh, it, it wasn't a engineered ethnic cleansing. Or, like, the gas chambers didn't kill anybody. That it, was just a rumor. Well, well, it can't be strong enough there, to kill There's anybody. no video of anybody dying in a gas chamber. I'm sorry that fucking CCTV didn't exist yet, Hans. Like, and, like, there's just overwhelming evidence. And they're saying that the death camps that are, are out for museums now are just manufactured for that purpose. 
Um, I mean, if you go to a death camp, I've been to a death camp. I went to Dachau. Um, is there a gift shop? There is. There is a fucking gift shop, I swear to God. And it's like... Really? Yeah, yes. And That's really interesting. And uh, there, it, you, people complain about it a lot. And like across <laughs> the street, there's like fast food and shit. But like, if you go to... If you go there and you look at the gas chambers and you and you can walk into the gas chambers and it is fucking spooky. There is in, engraved marks on the wall of where people who were suffocating to death were scratching trying to get out and their fingernails fucking flayed off. Like there's just there's paperwork. Yeah. From the Nazi government. They even apologized this. about it. Yes. Because they know they did it. Yes. So even. This is weird. This goes back into the whole reenacting. Not fucking cosplay. It's cosplay. Like, it's fucking cosplay. So, Are you going to talk about the fucking Nazi guy? I'm going to talk about the Nazi guy. <laughs> so I have this buddy. He's a Nazi dude. Told, uh, I don't even call him a buddy. I'll call him a fucking... I hope you have friends with a Nazi. No. I just know of him. <laughs> and he knows of me. Uh, he's just really interesting to talk to because I don't understand why he thinks the way he thinks. And he, he's a denialist? He's not a denialist. He knows it happened. He just thinks the Nazis are really fucking cool. So he just explains it all the way, like, yeah, it happened, and it was a good thing? Yeah. It's so, like the Jews had it coming? Yeah. What's? Well, I don't even know what to say to somebody who says that. You kind of don't say anything. I mean, that's... You're kind of just like, okay, dude. I mean, like... I, I know a lot of, like, proto-fascists these days, especially because now it seems like they're coming out of the woodwork. People are much more brave about espousing their disgusting ideologies but i've never heard i get more of like a yada 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 but you know national socialism is still cool um that's mostly what i get from people they don't try to i don't know what's the fucking word rationalize the holocaust they don't deny i don't know i personally don't know any deniers no i don't know either um i just know people that go yeah it happened and it was the sickest like, this dude's fucking weird. But their uniforms are cool, Nick. They wouldn't do anything mean. Yeah, basically. But anyway, back to the reason why I bring him up. Is uh, he has a Zyklon B container that they used in what? the gas chambers. And he's like, look, it was used. And we're like, dude, we're at like a public event where kids are around. Why? He brought it with him? Yes. Was he, was he cosplaying as Eitzen's group in? Dude, he cosplayed fucking anything SS. He fucking oh, you it. said it. You said it. It's cosplay now. Well, with him. <laughs> Alright, look here, fucker. <laughs> After old crow goes through my system, it's I on, can't think straight. It's on tape? You said it. We drink old crow right here, so... Uh. <laughs> you know, and another part that bothers me uh, in history is is it, it's not so much as, as a denialism because you don't get the denialism from anywhere other than, like, Turkish people is the denial of the Armenian genocide. I'm Armenian. Everybody who knows me on Twitter knows I'm Armenian because I got into a huge pissing contest with the Young Turks over this and their name and the host being a complete fucking twat. But um, explaining it away as like a byproduct of war is exactly like explaining away the Holocaust is a byproduct of war. Ethnic cleansing is not a byproduct of anything. No, it's not. Fucking bigotry and hatred. Like, there anybody who tries to explain any of these, uh, and this includes American genocide against Native populations, yes. is a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, they are not to be listened to, and they are not to be debated with, because you cannot reason someone out of a position they did not reason themselves into. 
You cannot try to explain the Holocaust or the Armenian Genocide or the Trail of Tears to someone who is so fucking thick-headed that they just don't believe it happened. Like, it just can't happen. That's like trying to explain to a flat earther. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fucking pointless. I might as well scream at the at the wall. I know plenty of flat earthers. Which Why do you I, know so many flat earthers? I don't know, dude. Like, I'm from California. It just happened. I'm from L.A. in California. That's the worst spot. I, thought, I fucking promise you. Are they just like hipsters or... I don't know what they are because they, they go off of that and they go, so why do you think the earth is round? Uh, this, this, and that. And I'm just like, dude, I'm just trying to eat. You know, and the same thing that I hear from flat earthers is like kind of the same thing with historical revisionism. We're kind of going off on a tangent. That's fine. Um, is like, who has anything to fucking gain from this? Who's making money from a round planet? Like, who has that trademark? At least people who think Big Pharma has a cure for cancer have a fucking argument. Like, and that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense I mean, either. It's a lot better than Flat Earth, though. It, yeah, because at least it can be explained yeah. with, like, money. And there's, like, a product. Nobody's selling a globe. Like, sorry, it is Big Globe. Well, there is who, a motherfucker <laughs> who's selling, like, plots of land on the moon. That guy's a fucking genius. He is. That guy's as big of a genius as the person who invented the pet rock. So there's probably a guy who owns the fucking earth that got to it first. Uh, like they purchased purchased it? No, because this dude didn't even purchase the moon. No, he, he just went on the internet and said, uh, "I'm selling plots selling of the moon." Selling plots of the moon. You know, in that case, I'm selling the entire state of Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, when you buy it, you won't notice any of the people living in it because it's Oklahoma. Um, I'd go with the Dakota state on that one. That, those have oil. Actually, so does Oklahoma, too. Yeah. For everything <laughs> I said, it's stupid. Um, but yeah, it's like... Nobody has any money to make from saying the Earth is flat. This makes no fucking sense. You know, this, this is why you... And a lot of this it has, to, has come from a couple like rappers and a couple basketball players, I think. It does. I was it Kyrie Irving is one. Yeah, B.O.B. is one. You know, he has this one song. He has I, a song. And I fucking refuse to call him B.O.B. His name is fucking Bob. His, his <laughs> name is Bob. Fuck you, Bob. He has a song about the flat earth. Yes. I hate him. Uh, what's it called? I'm going to look it up I for don't everybody. Because it's actually like, you'll listen to it and you'll be like, he'll talk about Neil Tyson. And like he's a hate. He's spitting fire at Neil deGrasse Tyson, an astrophysicist. That's fucking great. I fucking hate everything. I'm ready for the heat death of the universe so bad. Like we did. Like we just need to unplug it, shut the whole thing down. At this point, the human race is like your shitty old tower computer. You just need to turn it off, turn it back on, and hope things work so, out. The song is called Flatline. Oh God. Uh, it's uh by Bob. Is made two years ago. It's by Bob. And then there's a part two. Oh fuck. It's, it's Flatline Part 2. Uh, the, Earth. The Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yes. The Flat Earthening. And Earth is spelled just like how B-O-B is. E. Period. A. What's it stand for? <laughs> God damn it. We need to move on from a fucking aneurysm. Alright. So uh, we got... Uh, here's another one. What historical myth or one that pisses you off the most? What is your favorite? My favorite myth? Historical myth. Oh, man. My favorite myth. Not the one that pisses me off the most. Just my favorite. Yeah, just do your favorite, because uh, we don't need you pissed off again. I'm going to get pissed off. I'm angry. I'm fucking sweating Mexican meat right now, and then it's I'm miserable. sweating, too. 
Um, my favorite myth. So my favorite myth is probably that um, the United States won World War II. Fuck! <laughs> How did we do this? I, maybe because we spent entirely too much time together and talk about fucking historical facts. So we sleep over a lot. Yeah. And uh, we hang out a lot. We play video games a lot. I only own one mattress. Yeah. <laughs> you can um, imagine on the hot days. So I'll pick another one. I'll pick another one. Um, I mean, we can at least talk about it. <sighs> okay. Because so, maybe you, have the, you, might, you might have something different than I do. All right. So um, I'll go with the United States did not win World War One. Okay. Yeah. I see that one. Uh, so... As anybody who knows, as uh, the United States entered World War One, at the end of it, uh, they took part in two major battles and lost about fifty thousand people, killed and wounded. Um, I might be a little off on those numbers. Probably. Um, I'm not. I'm... I completely wing it. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to say around fifty thousand. Um, this is 1917, 1918. So it is the very end of the war. Um, they mishandled their troop numbers so badly, they sent all their black soldiers to fight with the French because, you know, can't miscegenate in the trenches. Um, Pershing wasn't that good of a general. He sent troops into Bella Wood completely unprepared with their flanks unsecured. Yes. Um, the only thing the United States was good for was, um, being, for existing on paper. Um, the Germans were, were absolutely beaten at this point, but they weren't broken, but their army was tired, and so was everybody else. Um, the people who won World War I were the French, hands down. Oh, yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the French, the Germans would have steamrolled all of Europe. Um, the Russians were a footnote. The Brits would have had nowhere to go if France didn't hold on to its fucking territory, and without Verdun and uh, the Marne, and Kaiserschlott being stopped. The war's over. France was OG. Yeah. Um, and that goes in a lot to my other favorite historical myth. I don't know why I didn't say this. And that is, France did not fight in World War II. They just collapsed. I, I agree with that one, too. They absolutely fought. Um, they lost around 100,000 soldiers in a very short amount of time. Um, the problem was is that they were poorly led. Their leadership. Yeah, and their organization, um, their military's organization was completely backwards, and their dependence on the Maginot Line mm -hmm. was flawed. It wasn't bad. People say it was bad, but it wasn't bad. It was flawed because, one, they didn't cover the Ardennes, no. and part of the fucking wall was supposed to come down from Belgium, which Belgium just didn't build. They didn't have to. <laughs> I, mean, I don't... I'm not bad. There's no reason to bash on Belgium for that. It's like their country. Their country. Belgium only exists to be invaded. That's the whole reason it was formed. Is so Germany and France get together and fight out wars there. But they don't have to build a wall for France. Anyway, France didn't even think that fucking uh, German military can make it through that dense forest. And that and, and the problem was is that the where their forces were deployed, there was supposed to be even more soldiers guarding the Ardennes. It's not like they just thought nobody was going to make it through. They didn't think armor could make it through there. Right. So they didn't think anybody was going to make it through there. But they were supposed to have a large contingent of troops guarding it, and they just didn't. Um, the only real problem with the Maginot Line that is incontrovertible and was a... Achilles' heel was it made them depend on defensive warfare. 
So, best case scenario, let's say the Germans just attack the Maginot Line. French fight them off. Push them back. Then what? They're still in the fucking line. Yeah. They have no maneuver forces. Um, their tanks were better. Their Char B1 was better than the German Panzers. They had more of them. Um, but their organization was shit. Um, but that does not mean that the French did not fight. Charles de Gaulle's unit was fucking mauled. And the only reason he couldn't hold out longer is because logistics and supply were horseshit. Um, but a lot of that has to do with the French literally lost an entire military and generation fighting in World War One, And the last thing anybody wanted was another war. And I know what you're saying is that Germany just went through the same thing. But because of the treaty, they had something to fight for. Like, the... Restrictions put on Germany were terrible. That's why I forget who it was. But immediately after signing them, they said, this isn't peace. It's an armistice for 20 years or 30 years, whatever it was they said. And they ended up being completely right. The Germans were fucking pissed. The la they wanted a war because they actually had something to fight for while the French were just dead tired. Right. Um, but people don't give them enough credit. Everybody calls them no. cheesing surrender monkeys, throw up the white flag, and... You can't really help people who are that stupid. Right. I mean, America wouldn't even be independent if it wasn't for the French. So. That's very true. But I will go into why I don't think the U.S. saved the day during World War II. Now, people might not agree with me. Oh, well, this is just my opinion on it. It has facts with it. Suck it. All right. I believe the Soviet Union had more to do with it than we did. Absolutely. There's, I mean... That's just they did. Eighty percent of Wehrmacht casualties were on the Eastern Front. Yeah, very. Um, we didn't. Uh, we had something to do with no, winning, but we, we did, did not win the World exactly. War Exactly. So I'm not saying we didn't have a play in it. We had a big part. It's just we didn't save the day like no. what people think we did. Like if we weren't there, this would have happened. No. If you would have taken us out of the war completely, Germany still would have lost. Yeah. The second Operation Barbarossa started was the second Germans lost that war. Yes. There was no way that Germany was ever going to beat Russia. There was no way they were ever going to make it to England. No, they fucking botched that shit. Yeah. Operation Sea Lion, I think yeah. it was called, was completely unrealistic. And the Battle of Britain was the dumbest shit. I mean, Hermann Goering, who was in charge of Luftwaffe, was a fucking idiot. And he was so goddamn fat that he couldn't even fit in a plane, but... Still had a sweet uniform. You know, it had to be tailored after a dozen <laughs> smaller uniforms. Yes. You know, and the only thing people can argue is that, well, the U.S. was the logistical force of World War II, and that's, that's absolutely correct. We It was... But it was in the beginning. I would say, like, say Normandy, most of our... Supplies ran from the British. Most of the ships in this channel were British. Most of the landing craft were British. They made up most of... But we probably built and sold those to them. With Lend-Lease Acts. But, Possibly. But to, I'm not sure on that. I mean, they were fighting with our tanks and mostly our uniforms and equipment and everything else. Not uniforms. And same... Sorry, you forgetting the subject matter. Or equipment. That. Um, but the... Tanks, yes. Well, the their Sherman was better than their tank, which is saying something, because the Sherman was not a great tank. No, it wasn't. Uh, it was great numbers, but, um, you know, the Lend-Lease Act saved England and saved the Soviet Union, absolutely. But that being said, without the Lend-Lease Act, England may have sued for peace, 
but the Soviet Union would have eventually churned yes. itself into an industrial power. I mean, their leader had no uh, obstruction in his way. Stalin could just make things happen by sheer bloodlust and anger. Yes. And that's <sighs> what he did. Um, is he an asshole? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who is it that said that he's a bastard, but he's our bastard? Yeah, uh, that's exactly what he was. Um, but to say that we won World War Two, No, yeah. That's we, one of my favorite myths. We won far. World War Two about as much as England did. Yeah. Um, we, sure, we took Normandy, but there's a reason that, uh, that the Germans were running west to surrender to us. <laughs> um, a lot of people would be upset about that unpopular opinion, but... Um, the oh, so no, they really are. The Soviet Union steamrolled Germany. Um, the biggest battles in human history and in the war took place in the Eastern Front, and the Soviets won all of them. Very. Um, yes. Kursk, Stalingrad, Berlin. Mm -hmm. All Soviets. Yes. Um, and, if I mean, think of it this way. How would that war have looked if the Soviet Union had lost? Germans would have won. Yeah. They would have had an unlimited material, man, and fuel supply. Because you think that 80% of Germans' military casualties yeah. lost on the Eastern Front. Imagine all of that, all of those resources and material and soldiers. I mean, just, just Operation Barbarossa itself. Right. Yeah. It was a million-man army. So all of that just relocating. Western Front. Imagine if we go to land in Normandy, but the Germans have the same um, military output that that they put into Kursk. And then they're in space? Space Nazis? Yes. I thought they live in the middle of the planet. We're talking about moon Nazis now? Or the, the, the lunar Fourth Reich? That'd be fucking sweet. That one. <laughs> it would not be sweet. Um, space Nazis don't really work for me. Especially because the rockets suck dick. Yeah. They, uh... Cool, when you aim at a whole city, it's hard to miss. Yeah. They're all made of slave labor. The V2 was, uh, what was it, the buzz bomb? That thing was uh, pretty cool. It was made of slave labor. It was incredibly unreliable. Was it? Yeah, they were all made in slave labor. I, I believe that. No, I believe slave labor. <laughs> I just didn't know it was unreliable. I mean, they were fleeing that an entire island. How are they going to fucking miss? I think they could, like, miss really bad. I mean, they did. Just, yeah. They did, but, I mean, when you're aiming at the entire city of London... All, the only thing the V pro, the V one V two whatever rocket programs did was just like we talked about uh, last week was drain resources away from shit that they actually needed. It was a cool propaganda weapon, but it didn't take long for that war to be far away from the importance of propaganda and like no, we actually just need stuff. True. And they just no, oh, let's just keep building these rockets. Oh, it's almost like uh, a lot of the shit that they tried doing, all that bullshit experiments with uh, the giant, what was it, the mouse tank? Oh, I'm pretty sure you guys talked about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about that at length. That thing was okay. fucking stupid. That whole, their whole weapon development was stupid. They're the only country that as war went on, their weapons development went back in time. Like, the only cool thing they ever did is the 262. The, fir the first operational jet fighter. Two, six, two, and then they tried to turn to a fucking bomber. Oh, holy... <laughs> uh, I guess I can get into it later. I'm not even going to get into it. But uh, that is my favorite myth, is that we did not save the day. We did play a big part. We just didn't save the day. Uh, we we saved... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll staunch some of the haters here. 
We saved the day in bits and pieces. We did not win the war. Um, if we would have stayed out of it physically and continued to supply them like we were, we would have been fine. Um, the Nazis still would have lost. The only thing that would have happened is that there have been a whole lot more red going across Europe. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can move on to our next question. And this is one that is, there's no funny to it. Um, it's a pretty serious, deep question that somebody sent us. Right, and that honestly, that one, I left for Joe, because uh, I feel like he'd be better off to talk about it. And, and it's a great question. Um, oh yeah, I loved it. I might chime in. That's There's fine. Some stuff I have, but honestly, I want to hear what you have to say because I'm really interested in it. You chiming in stops me from fucking biting my mic in half and fucking pure rage. No, yeah, which is great because <laughs> I really am interested in what you're gonna say. So I'll read this question verbatim as it was sent to me via Twitter, um, and I'll actually uh, will say what this guy's Twitter handle is because it's funny. Centurion Squirrel, awesome. Um, so uh, on our next question, uh, they asked Vietnam met with a lot of pushback. From the domestic audience at home for a myriad of reasons. Why do you think that Afghanistan has not gotten the same amount of pushback? Because clearly the situation there is not improving. If anything, it's worsening, and the war is closing in on 20 years. Um, so, since we're just talking about Afghanistan here, he did not bring up Iraq. I have to ignore the massive protests that happened at, right before Operation Iraqi Freedom started. Uh, they were massive. Uh, not anything, but I'll stay to the subject at hand. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that Vietnam was fought through and through with a conscript army. Um, they instituted the draft almost immediately, um, which was normal back then and is normal through a lot of countries uh, today. Um, though I'm not going to go the Sebastian Junger route and say we need to bring the draft back because just, just no. I still um, love him though. <laughs> Oh, Sebastian Junger is my favorite. One I of my favorite fucking love him. Um, But interesting Favorite facts. documentarian. Favorite. <clears throat> yeah, he's great. Oh, yeah, he is. Uh, World War II had more draftees than Vietnam did. I'm not surprised. Um, bigger armies, bigger operations. A lot of people are. In. I mean, talking about in total or at once? Because, I mean, Vietnam went on for... 11? 11, 12 years? Yeah, something like that. And uh, basically, what was it? Two-thirds of the army during World War II were draftees, and then two-thirds of the army during Vietnam were enlisted. Interesting. So, I think it's, I don't know if it's all at once. If it's all... I know a lot of people... Did you rip one? No. Was, it, was, this, was that fajitas? It's fajitas. Uh, I know a lot of people... I heard uh, individual stories of Vietnam that they when they knew they were going to get drafted, they would enlist because you get to pick what you did. Right. <laughs> and you know what? I've seen a lot of that too, but I have had, I think, five or seven family members mm -hmm. go to Vietnam, which is a shit ton I have in a, one, one family, and they all enlisted, hmm. and I, I don't know if that plays into it or anything, if they wanted to pick their job or if they just wanted to enlist. I, you know, I I've, don't know. I've heard a lot of people explain it um, different ways. Some people want to just go and do it. I fell into that part. I wasn't going to get drafted to go to Afghanistan, but I was 17 years old and didn't know what the fuck else to do with my life, and I thought war was cool. I was 17. I did not know better. Um, the recruiters certainly weren't going to tell me that. No. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people saw an adventure, um, you know, 
the 60s and 70s is the time where suburb like people are trapped in suburbia hell for the first time. Um, I was trapped in like ghetto suburbia hell. Uh, I didn't know how to get out of my city. They didn't know how to better themselves or do anything better. I certainly wasn't going to college. Um, how else can I have an all expensive right. adventure? Exactly. And I was in the the barrio back in the day, so back in East LA, and uh, there wasn't really much going on. Yeah. So I sucked at school, along with the school system sucking as well. So I joined the military because I didn't really have a plan. And it's funny how I joined the military. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a common story that they hear from everybody. Um, but. You know, um, Vietnam was fought through and through with a conscript army, uh, with a draft. Everybody had a family member or neighbor or someone they knew that went to Vietnam. Uh, Almost everybody knew somebody that was wounded or killed or just didn't come back. Um, Everybody was ripped out of their everyday life and kicked out to the middle of nowhere to die for no reason. And everybody saw it. it. It impacted every level of society. Um, I mean, you see rich people found ways out with college deferments and medical deferments, and maybe one of them is president right now. Um, but uh, you, you see it more and more and more. Um, anybody who knows me knows I'm absolutely against the war in Afghanistan. I served two tours in Afghanistan, and I've written a book about the war in Afghanistan, which comes out on August 9th, by the way. Um, I would like to think I have a fairly decent grasp on the war, but whenever I bring up how stupid the whole thing is, with anybody, fellow veterans, obviously you aside, um, co-workers, um, my parents who hate the war because they kept having to fucking send me to it. Whenever I bring it to anybody, you get like weird looks or you get, um, you know, they try to change the subject. Nobody wants to engage in the conversation of why this war is so bad. Um, and uh, one of the things I get is somebody goes, well, you volunteered for it. And... Even though that's a fucking stupid response to a foreign policy criticism, they aren't entirely wrong. Anybody who enlisted with a few people um, that was, I mean, when I, my first deployment to Afghanistan in 2008. So the vast majority of people who I was with had enlisted after 9-11. There's onesies and twosies that had been around forever, but they were right. only master sergeants, sergeant majors, first sergeants, shit like that. They, yeah. they didn't exist in my world. Um, so everybody enlisted knowing they were going to go fight. Um, or at least there was a, a possibility they were going to go fight. You know, we were 17, 18, 19 years old. You can't expect me to make good choices. Um, part of this is the intense, decades-long guilt trip veteran service organizations, Vietnam veterans themselves, and the government themselves have engineered into some stupid response for the massive anti-war movement during Vietnam. Um, you see this everywhere. Like, oh, I didn't get my parade. I didn't get my parade. Um, people spit on me, call me baby killer. Nobody appreciated our service, which it needs to be said that there is no widespread incidences of anybody getting spit on by anti-war activists during Vietnam. It's an urban legend, and it needs to fucking die. Sure, it may have happened a handful of times, but you know what? Weird shit happens to everybody when they return from time to time. Yeah. One time I had a homeless guy ask me for a cigarette. Did that happen to everybody? Probably not. I, ha- I, I walked into protesters twice. Nobody called me baby killer. Nobody fucking spit on us. And you know, you have to look at um, 
some of the anti-war movements back then and some of them now, where they're much more militant back then. Um, but you have to understand why. They were being actively against something that was going to affect their life. Their dad, their brother, their cousin, or them was going to go fight in a war that was fucking pointless. Um, that did not affect America at all. The only reason it affected America is because America was there. Literally to, to extract themselves from the situation where it no longer affected them, they just had to remove the American military. Um, which, you know, thankfully they eventually did. But um, there was no systemic spitting of veterans. This didn't happen. Um, people didn't get their parades. and People didn't get their fucking veterans discounts or whatever. But this is uh, some weird guilt shit thing that's been rolled in for decades that people have been trying to make up for ever since. Everybody has stupid fucking yellow ribbons on everything and ribbons around trees and there's discounts everywhere and thank you for your fucking service. It's like this giant fucking nationalist circle jerk that's been going on ever since <laughs> to try to make up for this stupid shit. And they spun it perfectly in that... That the veterans themselves are the sacred cow that you cannot possibly say anything against. When these kids, adults, and veterans themselves who protested against the war had a reason to do it. People were burning down ROTC buildings. They weren't, like, assaulting veterans or fucking trying to keep them from going home. They hated the system that sent them there. Right. They hated the whole military-industrial uh, complex. They hated the government. They hated the draft. They hated... Everything that could put them at risk, that put the dudes in uniform at risk. They didn't hate the people in uniform. Just like for the most part now, except I hate a lot of my fellow veterans. Because a lot of you are fucking insufferable. I'm insufferable. Listen to me. Um, <laughs> I just hate everybody. Yeah. They hated the system that sent them away. The system that forcefully conscripted people into government, effectively, effectively government slavery to go fight in this war. Um, this myth turned that huge circle jerk I was talked about, and the government has been riding this way hard as fuck ever since. Think of it this way, all right? How have they silenced opposition to anything to do with troops? Anything. If you disagree with the war, you dishonor their sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, look at all the blood that's been shed. Look at all of our dead and wounded. This is the exact same fucking line of argument that the Empire of Japan used to defend the puppet regime in Manchuria before World War II. It's fucking stupid it makes no sense it's like the lost cost fallacy or the sunk cost fallacy well you put this much shit into something can't give up now and if in reality you need to cut your fucking losses yeah. um another reason i think people at home can't seem to grasp realities of the war enough to totally turn against it is the massive clampdown on the freedom of media operating in the theater um see i like that one i mean think of it this way you've seen we were soldiers oh, of course have you read the book it was, written, no. it was written by Joe Galloway, the reporter in the movie. It was played by Barry Peppers or yeah. Brian Peppers, whatever his name is. Um, that's pretty much all factually correct. He didn't have to do anything to get to a battle. He just showed up and like, hey, do you have room on your helicopter? A helicopter pilot said, yeah. And then he's in the battle of fucking Iadrang Valley. That simple. No limitations are put on him. He took pictures of the fighting, the dying, and the killing on both sides. The mangled remains of both sides' soldiers were splayed across the news lines every day. You can find footage on YouTube. Yeah. And you will see a lot of shit. You were seeing how the fucking sausage was made. And yeah. the sausage is fucking ugly. And you know what? The people knew. They, they made that connection. They, they, made, they made that personal connection every day on the news when that fucking ticker tape of names was splayed across mm -hmm. of all the dead. 
because they knew there's a good chance they were going to see someone they fucking knew, either with the high school with or you're fucking related to, that were there. They and they were seeing you fucking suffering on the news. Now let's compare that. Do you remember? You're pretty young because I know you got a, you're a couple years younger than me. Do you remember? 2008, 2009, when someone had the balls to post a picture of flag draped coffins. Yeah. Do you remember the fucking livid outrage about it? They were showing a box. They were showing 15 boxes on an airplane. How dare they? Yeah. You weren't seeing shit. You weren't seeing anything. Now you're labeled some kind of terrorist sympathizer. Yeah. Sebastian Junger, who we just talked about, caught hell... For showing a soldier's body who was draped to the poncho and Restrepo. You didn't oh, see shit yeah. except his boot. It was one of the most powerful fucking parts of that whole movie. For a reason. You were seeing what it costs. It was like when everybody says, like, uh, well, if you save money. If you, uh, if you spend only cash. You withdraw cash out of an ATM and you make all your purchases in cash. Because you see everything you're fucking spending. You're seeing it in front of your eyes. You're not just, like, swiping through, like, oh, Operation During Freedom. Like, you're seeing the fucking cost of this shit. Do you remember when SoftRep published, this is only a couple months ago, Oh yeah. that fucking ambush? This. Yeah. Good. They posted the web. Uh, I'm glad. I wish they didn't censor it. And you know what? Sure, that must be really fucking painful for those loved ones to see. That, that must suck. I don't know what that feels like. Um... But the people of America need to know what is being done in their name. They need to see what we see, what they saw, and what they did. I'm not discrediting the honor of the fallen guys in that video. Right. Or any of the fallen in Afghanistan or Iraq or in Vietnam. But when you deploy and you go and fight, your body is a check. And it's being cashed. People need to know what it looks like on the other side. People need to see how the fucking sausage is made. War is fucking ugly. They don't know what it's like. I mean, people want our military to fight forever. People want our military to go out to Yemen and Saudi Arabia and fucking uh, Somalia and Niger and Mali and Afghanistan and Iraq and wherever the fuck else forever. But they want to be ignorant of the cost of the fighting. They don't want to know the thousands of faces that their loved ones will never see again. You know what? They fucking need to. They need to see the cost for international cowardice of always wanting to be safe all the time. Of fighting some fucking stupid abstract thought of international terrorism. What is that? What is that? What does that fucking look like? I mean, uh, think back a couple months um, when we attacked Syria with the, with the um, cruise missiles. Yeah. All you saw on CNN and Fox and wherever fucking else, BBC, you saw the, the, the cruise missiles leaving the ship and you saw the fucking streak of fire going into the night sky. And I actually saw people on CNN and Fox talking about how beautiful it looked going into the night sky. How beautiful a cruise missile looked going into... How fucking ridiculous is that think back at, uh in 2003 when we invaded iraq yeah all you saw was these sparkling smart bombs exploding in the night sky i remember that those cameras never panned up you never saw what a fucking 500 pound bomb does to a family of six you never you're not going to see what that cruise missile did which thankfully they ordered a cruise missile strike on an empty airfield but 
they're talking about how beautiful this is. They're not talking about how fucking ugly and disgusting it is. The media has lost its power to tell the truth. Think about um, the Tet Offensive in Vietnam. Yes. Why was it considered a lost cause? It's not because the VC and the NVA showed that they could launch this countrywide offensive. Right. It's because fucking uh, Tom Brokaw went on the news and said, Vietnam is a quagmire. And Westmoreland said, fuck, if we lost him, we've lost America. Yeah. And it was true. But we don't have that anymore because nobody has the fucking balls. Because if you show a dead soldier, you're an ISIS. Or you're this fucking horrible soldier hater. Yeah. No, man. It's not what it is. People need to see the cost. No, I agree with that. Yeah. The, people need to see the cost of their color-shaded warning systems and the cost of their chicken hawk bullshit. Until, the, and, until that day comes, every single person that, that says we need to send soldiers here, or we need to strike here, or, or that cruise missile is beautiful, or, you know, shouting down, uh, so, and, you know, I don't like Sofra. I don't. They're jingoistic, jingoistic nationalist assholes. And they are fucking dog whistle racist most of the times. <laughs> but in this one instance... They showed some balls, and they never retracted it. No, they didn't. And every single person that shot them down is a piece of shit. Because any single person that does that, they need to be publicly fucking shamed. Because the deaths that happened, the deaths that happened this week, last week, and all the way until 20-fucking-90 when we leave Afghanistan, it's on them. Because we, as American people, I know this is going to blow a lot of people's mind, we can vote people out sometimes. We should not give a pass for anybody who voted for this and continues to vote for it. I don't care what party they're in. I'm a fucking socialist, but I would not vote for somebody who would ever support this. That's the reason why I cannot forgive Hillary Clinton and vote for her in 2016, because she voted for the Iraq War. She's guilty. Yeah. It's a fucking war crime. And it is because we as Americans just don't care. We're so disconnected. So fucking disconnected from the military and from the operations. And I think the government wants it that way. Because this war doesn't touch any level of society except mostly the poor people who have to join the army to afford to go to college. Um, but for the most part, nobody knows somebody personally that died Very in the true. global war. Yeah, no, yeah. I know a few. And I was there. Um, most people don't know anybody who were wounded. Most people might know somebody from high school that joined the military. That's the most. That's about it. Yeah. Um, and you don't even stay in contact with that person. And there's, there's no sort of, there's never been some kind of personal connection from the society itself to Operation Enduring Freedom. It does not exist. I mean, when somebody dies there, maybe tomorrow... There'll probably be someone that was born two years after 9-11. But nobody's going to make that connection. Nobody gives a shit. No, nobody's, I mean, n nobody's going to wonder what it's like that your loved one is not going to come home because they don't have to deal with it. Right. Um, and, you know, in the book Tribe, Sebastian Junger talks about this a lot. Um, but his solution is to bring back conscription. It, it is the great equalizer in society to bring the two sides back together. And my answer is stop fucking fighting in Afghanistan. As much as, as much as I respect Sebastian Junger, 
And uh, as much as I love his work, he is incredibly wrong in that. Um, because we, as the United States, don't know what to do with the world's most powerful military. We, we see everything... Um, what's the saying is when, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. No, um, don't know that one. <laughs> um, but that, that's where we find ourselves. That's why, um, uh, so think of it this way. Um, say tomorrow, me and 10,000 other people out of nowhere, march down to Seattle and, uh, demand the war of Afghanistan. What are people going to call us? Well, it could be me and 10,000 other fucking veterans. What are people going to call us? The majority? Yeah. Some might call you patriots. Others might call you fucking warmongers. It depends. Like, if me and 10,000 other people... I know a shit ton of people that would call you patriots. I don't know if I've ever met one. I, I don't think I've ever seen that in person. Or maybe someone believes it, but they're so worried about this national guilt trip. They still believe in this whole, like, oh, we need to go get those guys. Right, but what guys? They don't even know. Who are we fighting? They don't even know. That's the thing. And I know plenty of them. Yeah. I really do. I know It sucks. I know a lot of people think the same way. It's like, well, we haven't won yet. No shit. No shit we haven't fucking won. That's the point. I, I believe the same thing. We just need to cut sling load. I mean... You can say you can say what you want about the war in Iraq. Um, you can argue about that one all day, though. I think we all know the answer to that. But like in the beginning, there was a legitimate reason being Afghanistan. Um, I will say uh, to you know get back at Bin Laden. Um, even my anti-war ass can agree with that. He attacked us first. Yeah. I feel like that is a war of self-defense. Right. Um, because he definitely would have attacked us again. That motherfucker's been dead for like almost ten years. Yeah. He when, died. When he died one fucking day before I deployed on my last deployment, and that was like seven years ago. Yeah. Um. So, I don't want to go into that anymore because I feel like I covered it really well, and I, I have enough stress in my life, you and I'm losing. I'm on. I'm losing enough of my hair, um, but that's pretty much what it boils down to. Is there's some kind of societal disconnect? Between, like, it's some abstract thing, like, Afghanistan is a different planet, or, um, it's just so far removed from everyday life. Um, Vietnam touched all of American society, and people felt so strongly against it that when the National Guard shot them down at Kent State, they kept protesting against it. They were actively fucking murdered, and it did not slow down the protest. People burnt down ROTC buildings. People took to the streets and got their ass rolled on by cops and then slow them down. Um, these days, people are so disconnected, um, and there's so many different reasons why they're so disconnected that they can't get over the fact that it, it might be windy out. Um, and even if they could organize, um, I don't know if it would do anything. I don't think it would do any good. No. Because if kids, if college kids are getting slaughtered during Vietnam, and that didn't end the war, nothing is going to end Afghanistan until we end Afghanistan. That's something, uh... Got nothing on that one? No. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's like, you don't really know, like, what the... Like, we don't no. have a goal um, anymore. I mean, the same can be said for Westmoreland and Vietnam. And, um, you know, when you start failing or you and you fail so hard, you don't know what the goal for success is anymore. Right. I mean, we've been failing consecutively in Afghanistan for uh, what the guy said, well, almost 20 years. Um but we haven't moved the goals for success. We haven't moved those goalposts back into the realm of reality. We still want some Jeffersonian democracy to spring up in Kabul and the Pashtuns and the Uzbeks and everybody else to join hands and fucking sing Kumbaya. Yeah. But it's just not going to happen. And uh, it's, it's cost us immensely to the point that we have our own lost generation now. I mean, we didn't lose... 50,000 people and some change like they did in Vietnam, but, you know, we have tens of thousands of wounded uh, physically and however many tens of thousands more mentally wounded um, that will never be treated for, will never be taken care of. Um, So we have our own lost generation. And uh, with that, I think I need another drink. God damn it. Uh, (laughs) um, That is our final question because we're coming up on almost an hour and a half. Um, Our longest podcast. Yeah the longest one so i guess we'll sign off for that one um thanks for listening thanks for making the last episode the highest rated episode that we've ever had yeah um hopefully this one will keep you interested hopefully um you can follow the podcast on twitter at lions underscore by you can follow me on twitter at jcast 99 you can follow me at nickcast m1 and on Thanks for the questions. Yes, thank you. I mean, keep sending them to us because we're oh, going to yeah. do these from time to time. Because um, they're fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, my book is available for pre-order. It is called The Hooligans of Kandahar, and it comes out August 9th. It has a ton of pre-orders and a lot of really good reviews and awards, and I would really like to pay my mortgage. So go and pick up a copy. Um, Hopefully get him an AC. Yeah, maybe I can afford a fucking window unit in this bitch. Um, it's fucking hot in here. I am literally sweating. I have a bullets. few drops on my fucking laptop. So yeah. I need to wipe off. Yeah. Um, so that's our show. Uh, please uh, rate, review us on iTunes, and uh, have a good one. Later.